I love it. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that always greeted me more than anything in, in managers that that I maybe didn't not didn't get along with but man one thing that managers do that drives me nuts is when they're always pushing you to the next thing what i really want is a manager who wants to listen to what you want because at certain times in my life i just wanted to do my role really well i didn't want a promotion i didn't want to go here i didn't want i just wanted to do what i was doing and do it really well and so they say instead of how can i move you to x y or z they say what can i get you or what can i remove that's blocking you to help you do what you really want to do and so I think it's very important what you just said is to really listen to those people as opposed to just saying, oh yeah, I'm help people move up the ladder. It's not about that. It's about meeting people with what they need and then really empowering them. And for me, that was a move to Alaska among other things. But um, you know, when you really give people what, it need, what they need, that's when you build some serious loyalty, some serious dedication. And, and the, you know, that ever vague culture term, like that's where it comes from heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I have the pleasure of having on the line Melissa Moody. Melissa, are you there? Yes. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So glad to have you here. I heard uh, before we got on the recording, you're coming in from Alaska. Is that right? That is right. I live and work in Anchorage. Yeah, I think you are officially our first Alaskan guest out of 200 episodes, which is pretty cool. Well, that's a claim to fame. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had people from all over Europe and Africa and the Philippines and whatnot, but no one from Alaska. So... Um, I have uh, I have been dying to get to Alaska. I want to see the big mountains up there and the grizzly bears. My my dad and I were just talking this morning over breakfast about the uh, the salmon that jump out of the water and the bears catch. And I was like, I don't know if you can see that in the wild in Alaska, but I figure if you're going to see it anywhere, that's a big place to do it. You should. There's some amazing places. One place is called Brooks Camp, and the bears are trained, or they're not trained. The bears have never been exposed to humans as a food source. So you can, you literally walk right past giant grizzly bears and watch them fishing. It's pretty great. That would be so cool. That's like, that's on my bucket list is to see the grizzly bears hunting salmon for real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fly into Brooks camp. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. So I can't wait to get to, uh, get to Alaska at some point in our travels. Um, for those of you in my audience who are following us around, we have made it from, we're not in Florida anymore. We're in California. We're visiting family over here um on the uh, on the west coast um because it's opened up a little bit for travel so we actually got we got stuck in florida for like 11 months last mm -hmm. over the last couple of years <laughs> during our travels um so what i want to do before we get too far is a brief introduction for melissa so you are a marketing leader who loves creating clarity from chaos you are the head of marketing and co-founder at gated which is an email service i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about and the launches you guys are doing with that this year um, and before I get too far into all of this, what I want to start with is what is it that you are known for? So um, basically, what do you do? What's your business? And how do you how do you serve them? 
Yeah, well, um, if we think about what I'm known for today, it probably is focused on Gated. So Gated is a pretty simple and elegant email solution that essentially challenges any unknown senders to donate to a charity of your choice in order to reach you. Now, there's a lot of email tools out there, but what we're doing is very unique in the sense that um, a lot of other tools make you deal with the mess once it's already in your inbox. But what Gated does is we actually say, you shouldn't have to deal with those distractions unless they're worth your time. And so we've created this incredible model. Uh, my co-founder, Andy Mowat, he actually built it to solve his own problems. He was a GTM leader who'd sent you know, billions of emails under his teams and had kind of created the email pain um, and really also felt the pain of being sold to nonstop. So I came on board as co-founder and head of marketing, and, and my job has really been to take Gated from an idea into a vision and to start talking with people about what it means to really own our attention and to focus on what really matters in life instead of all the digital distractions that are so overwhelming these days. So I guess that's what I'm known for because that's what I spend all my time today talking about. Um, you know, I have a lot of other components of my personality. I'm a, I'm a marketer, I'm a mom, and I'm certainly my own dynamic person. Um, but Gated is such a special thing that I'm finding a lot of my days focused on helping people learn about it and helping people really think about how we live in this world of digital distraction. Yeah, yeah. And I've actually, I've interacted with Gated a few times because I've, I've got some people that have, I've gotten those emails in response to things um, and it does work. And I have donated to charity in order to talk to people. Um, so it, it's functional. I, and I've, I've thought about it myself, but I, I have, I have uh, reservations about it. Maybe we can talk mm -hmm. about some of those things today because it's, it sort of struck me as like, I get a lot of emails from people that are like, they're actually essential for business but they wouldn't be in my contact book. And I'm like, I don't know what would happen with those. Like for instance, um, we run a, uh, um, uh, e-commerce brand that we, we get stuff from China and India that we source, um, we source products and, and stuff from like everything from bottle caps, to the little seals that go on the bottles to, um, we actually have the people who manufacture our candles. And a lot of times those people will like email Randy, be like, Hey, here's your, here's your invoice or whatever for, um, and I'm like, I'm not sure how you'd make sure which person, like if you could get the whole company's emails to make sure they're going to come through. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great question. So to begin with, um, gated really is for people who are getting a lot of inbound email, but they don't, they aren't a customer facing or they have a huge like sales component to their role. Right. Cause if you have a lot of cold email, that's trying to reach you, you're right. It's not going to make sense. Um, you know, the people that really love Gated, the people that can't stop raving about it are folks like CMOs, uh, demand gen leaders, um, yeah, rev ops yeah. managers, people where they've got a lot of inbound email, a lot of folks are selling to them, and yet they don't have that immediate, there's not a lot of kind of business critical email that's coming in cold. Um, so that's one point to it. The other thing, the other kind of component to it is that, um, you know, Gated gives a lot of hands-on transparency to what you're doing. So you actually have the ability to train Gated to know who you allow and who you don't. And you can even do that by domain. So if you knew certain customer domains were going to be reaching out to you, you could set that to allow them. Um, there's a lot of, we have a lot of uh, dials that you can play with when you're, when you're. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting because I like looking at my own inbox, I get, I don't know, three or 400 emails a day right. and maybe two or three of them are useful. Like things that right. I actually need to interact with or respond to um, lots of notifications from systems that I, you know, I don't particularly need those notifications, but I get them anyways. And it's, it's a, it's a fascinating problem because you're like, I, I can't turn everything off because I get stuff that I need, <laughs> but at the same time, 
it this way. We use, we used to use very commonly the metaphor of, um, you know, it's a postage stamp for email. A truck can't drive up with a whole bunch of letters and dump them on your porch and drive away. Right. Yeah. But that's what we're doing every day in email, every single day, a truckload of other people's things for you is dropped into your inbox and you're left to deal with it. And so if you think about implementing this kind of marginal cost and the donations really are marginal, it's a dollar, $2 at the, you know, kind of the minimum number. Um, it just immediately cuts down on that clutter. Um, we live in a world where all of the tools on the automation front are coming from the marketing side. They can send you more emails, more personalization. They have more data about you to reach you. And yet there doesn't exist a tool right now to help the buyer side, the person who's getting overwhelmed with all of those marketing and sales and irrelevant emails to fight back. And so that's a lot of what Gated is doing. We're saying just a little marginal cost allows you to have the power back in your hands again. That's really cool. And I, and I see you mentioned like being able to do domains and stuff. So like the notifications mm -hmm. I get for say this podcast when it says, Hey, you know, your interview with Melissa is in an hour. Like I can make sure those show up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. So, and I, I heard before you, before we uh, got into talking about that, you also mentioned you're, you're a, um, a mother and I assume you, you do have other responsibilities and whatnot. So I wanted to find out a little bit, uh, what's your, your family life look like outside of working with, uh, with Gated? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been very fortunate, um, over the last years, I have an eight and a 10 year old and, um, you know, uh, before my time with Gated, I was working at Google and I had some incredible managers who really built a structure that allowed me to have a flexible life, which, you know, allows me to balance family with my goals for my, my professional career. Um, so yeah, I would say the word is balance, right? Or perhaps the word is juggling. Um, there's always something to be taken care of, whether it's on the kid front or um, on the work front. But I, I find that that's an important part of my personality, the ability to be more than just a career, career focused person, but to also have family as a critical part of what I spend my day on. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. I've got uh, four kids. I've got uh, two five and eight year old girls and a twelve year old boy um, with us in our in our tiny RV and a you know very large poodle that we take all over the place with us. Um, and he's actually uh, sitting on the floor over here watching me do the interviews because that's what he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, my uh, my goal in life has always been like, how do I run a business that serves people and provides value while at the same time taking up as little of my time as possible? So I can spend as much of it as possible with them because that's what I really want to be doing. Well, that's right. It's all about focus. It's all about having the ability to think about your priorities, keep them in mind, and then, you know, kind of divest of all of those other things that are trying to steal your time or steal your attention away from what you already know matters, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that 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 your your business actually is talking specifically to that problem is helping people focus their lives um, on the things that matter to them. Exactly. So. That's very cool. So I want to talk then about your origin story right here on the this show. We always talk every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. And we want to hear that story. Essentially, were you born a hero? Were you uh, bit by a radioactive spider that made you get into email marketing? <laughs> um, or did you start in a job and eventually become more entrepreneurial? Uh, basically, where did you come from? That's a great question. I think I've always been fairly entrepreneurial at heart. I was uh, raised in a family that loved talking about business and finance and um, but you know, coming out of out of college, I um, I actually started as an educator. I have my master's in education. Um, I right. taught students with language-based learning disabilities at the high school level, so it was a really fascinating job. Spent a while doing that. Um, at a certain point, partly because I moved locations across country, but partly because 
I realized I wanted the challenge of um, a little bit of a faster pace, the corporate pace. I actually pivoted from education into marketing. And, and personally, I think that's a really natural pivot. Um, as an educator, you understand that there's a message and there is a customer and your main goal is to make sure the customer receives your message, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. education and that's marketing. So I made a pivot um, and I started working at Google in 2007 in Seattle, which actually was a very small crew. It was felt like a small company, even though Google was quite large already at that point. Um, over almost 14 years at Google, I've uh, accumulated an incredible amount of marketing knowledge, um, both kind of on the digital side and really focused on performance marketing, but also on kind of understanding industries and markets. Um, so that was quite a lot of years. Uh, and then I hit a point at which I realized I am someone who does best when they are being challenged, when they are learning. Um, when I get really good at something, I get bored. And I find myself actually physically being more lethargic. Um, and, you know, my friends and husband will tell you that when I am challenged and I'm learning, my energy just skyrockets. I don't need caffeine. I can go all day based on, on the thrill of the chase. Um, and so, frankly, Google got really, really big and I, I was ready for something new. I'd been mentoring and judging a lot of startup weekends here in my local community. Um, and I realized that what I was craving was some boots on the ground time not helping entrepreneurs, but actually being an entrepreneur myself. Um, so I was very fortunate. I worked with quite a few startups initially and then found my place at Gated and have been thrilled because it's it's exactly what I love doing, bringing a product to market and thinking about all the complexity that comes with it and so, having to focus and having to prioritize because that is my, I'm very good at that. So how did that get you from Seattle to Alaska? <laughs> oh, great question. I was actually... Uh, still at Google when we moved up here. Uh, we moved up for family reasons. My husband is born and raised up here and I had an incredible manager. Uh, I walked into his office and said, I I'm moving to Alaska, so I'll have to quit. And he looked right back at me in the eye and he said, no. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm, I'm quitting. This is me. Goodbye. And he said, absolutely not. Don't do that. You can do your job. You can do it well and just do it from somewhere else. Now this was six years, seven years pre-COVID. So I have been working remotely and I've been a very, very passionate champion of remote work for quite a while um, before the rest of the world <laughs> fell into the challenge that is remote work. Yeah. yeah um, so yeah, I, have, I will probably speak for hours just on the benefits of remote work and the future of our kind of global workforce, but. Um, yeah, it's fascinating because I did, I did the same thing, right? I, I mentioned before, we've been traveling for almost five years now. Right. Um, and I took my business on the road before it was, you know, cool to be remote. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and our kids have been homeschooled and remote learning that entire time. And when the pandemic hit, you know, the whole first year, we kept getting hit up by friends and family and other people that were like, how do you do this? Right. <laughs> um, so we spent a lot of time just educating our, our peers on like what we've learned over the couple of years, because, you know, it is a different way of working and living. Um, but at the same time, if you get your focus right and your priorities right, you can end up with so much more time because you're, I mean, you can go the other way too, where you have no time, depending on how you actually do that. <laughs> but but you you can get so, be very productive in very short amounts of time and move on with your day. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a, I think it's a great way to work. And I think it's far more efficient for your business and for our economy and everything. Absolutely. And I used to say when I was working remotely, but still at a large company, when I was with Google, I used to say that when I did travel for work, this was back when we were traveling, um, it, those travel trips, the work trips that I went on, even the trips themselves were so hyper-productive 
because everything I, I kind of packed it into the trips. I met with everybody. I was going nonstop. So it just makes all of the ability to focus and get things done packed into the right areas of your life, right? Like the the segments of yeah. your life, whether you're parent off parenting in the morning and then boom, you're into work meetings or um, or taking a trip and trying to pack things into that. So yeah, I, I see um, personally for me, uh, remote work has always been a, a real benefit in my life and my ability to balance and get things done. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I definitely appreciate your, uh, um, you, what you said about it, when you're learning something, mm-hmm. when you're being challenged, you get, you know, you get bored once you figure things out. And I, I had a huge problem with that as I was a younger entrepreneur where mm-hmm. I would figure something out and then I would be bored with it. So it would fall off of my Mm-hmm. priority list and then things wouldn't get done because I was like that's just it's just not fun anymore <laughs> yeah I, uh, I think it's kind of like in marriage you have to have your your compliment right you you have to have the person on your team who then um, loves to kind of get things done and just hammer things out even if or, or the the things that have to get done no matter what the consistency pieces you need yeah, to have yeah. someone who loves doing that um, and then you need to have someone who's always looking for the next thing in the fourth. And I'm not always changing, but I like to be challenged. I like to have my hands yeah. in something that's not a known My uh, solution to that personally was like, I really like building systems for things and that's yeah. challenging and fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what I'll do is I'll, you know, when I've, I'm like, okay, here's the thing that we're working on and I'll figure out the system for it. And I'll just pass the production of that system off to the other people on my team. Um, and then, then it's like, instead of me just leaving a wake of things that are no longer interesting to me, I'm leaving a wake of like systems that things are getting done behind me, which is far more efficient. Absolutely, <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit then about your superpowers that you developed over your career, mm-hmm. right? So every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit uh, made by their genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. Um, in the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that um, you were born with or you developed over your career. Um, and it's really what sets you apart, right? It's, um, you know, what allows you to help your people slay their villains and come out on top in their journeys. The way I like to frame this for my guests is if you look at all the skills that you've developed, there's probably between all those skills, a common thread that sort of ties them all together. Mm-hmm. And that common thread is probably where your superpower is. So that framing, what do you think your superpower is? You know, it's funny because it, it actually does reflect what we were talking about with Gated, but I, I've i had people share with me. I actually did a really interesting exercise on this. Um, Louis Grenier, he's, uh, he has a, a great company called Everybody Hates Marketers, but he has a really good activity around this, which says you basically email 10 to 20 close people and you ask them, what is my unique ability? And I did that a couple months ago. Um, so I think it comes into play here. But yeah. for me, what really ended up standing out very clearly is... Um, I've always been very good at being able to look at a complex mess and come out of it with clarity, right? So to take a mess and to really put things into order and also decide what belongs and what doesn't. Um, so both the prioritization that we already talked about, but also the creating structure out of complexity um, and creating a focus out of something that originally looks messy. I think that's probably the talent of mine that shows up in a lot of different areas. Um, I think, I mean, it can manifest in very different scenarios, but it it often comes up that that's where my natural skill strength lies. Yeah. It's, it's one of, um, I don't exactly know how to say this properly, but it's one of those like really deep skills. 
um, that's like it's like close to the universe if that makes sense because if you look you know everything in our whole world is is a uh, duality right you got male and female and yin and yang and all those things and you got order and chaos um, and you know the natural world and the human world and all those things are all they're all sort of that duality um, and everything in our world comes down to some sort of duality and one of the things that I think is fascinating about people in general is our ability to go into the chaos and then create order. That's what like our civilization is. And that's why we like things like, you know, gardens and other things. Cause we're, we're, we're making, we're making the chaotic world into like, we shape it the way that we want it to be. And so to have that as like a skill um, where you can, you know, things where you can basically go into something that's chaotic and then bring the order to it, I think is one of those, it's a, it's a very high level um, skill, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It, it also is funny because it sometimes also, um, it ties into what I think is personally one of my failings, which is, um, I'm a, I'm a very loving, caring person, but I also can be very, um, I'm very pragmatic. I think that when it comes down, I'm extremely pragmatic. So I have the ability to go into chaos and not be overwhelmed by it. I think a lot of yeah. people go into chaos and they, it's just so emotional. And I go in there, I'm like, huh, this is a mess. Let's, you know, how are we going to chaos? Where yeah. do we start? And then when it gets to the details, people will be like, oh, I can't let go of that one thing. It's really important. I'm like, no, it's not part of the plan. We're out of here. You know, so I have this, um, I have a very innate pragmatism, I think, that helps me do that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. The uh, You mentioned the uh, um, the exercise you went through. I actually had a uh, um, one of my business um, mastermind partners um, had us go through that a couple of years ago. Um, and I don't remember if it was from the same person or not, but he was, she was basically had us go through all of our, you know, people that have known us in a professional setting and ask the same question, like, you know, mm -hmm. essentially what's your superpower or what's your unique ability. Um, and I remember going through that and I sat down with my best friends for like four or five hours and we just went over responses for each other's stuff. Um, and that's where like my sort of love of systems and everything came out for me. Right. Um, and I realized that, like, I don't see the world like a normal person, like normal people like see things and I don't see things. I see like the stuff behind the things yeah. um, like it drives my wife nuts to watch a movie with me because like I don't see just the movie. I see the movie and the training the actors went through and I see every like I count the lights in all the scenes. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you can't see the lights. I was like, I can see the lights because I've, I've been a professional photographer for a long time. So like I see the lighting in the scene. and I'm like, I'm like, oh, look, they used square catch lights instead of round ones for that scene. I wonder why they why the cinematic director chose that and like like because that's the way I, I see things like I see all the systems behind it um and and that's uh it wasn't until I really like honed in on that that I was able to start focusing my business that direction yeah. and I mentioned earlier like figuring out like hey the problem in my business was I wasn't actually focusing on like hey how about I just take the problems that I'm solving and the things that like you know the things that make me happy is like solving a problem and having a challenge and then like well how about I build a system around that challenge and that be part of my part of my own system for dealing with my own crazy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's, really, it's so important to recognize that about yourself because then you can find what works. I mean, I think that's why I'm finding now I'm addicted to the startup world because it's all complexity and it all yeah. needs, it all needs someone to say, here's where we're going to focus. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, I need someone um, who can make order out of it. Yeah. And I was kind of for the last few years, I was sitting at a company where there, all the order was in place. Everything was where it needed to be. And and for someone like me, that gets a little boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the one of the reasons why I, I um, passionately love traveling because yeah. I'm the same way, right? Like, it, the first like three or four months or so of traveling, it was like 
holy crap, what have I done to myself and my family? Because we're, you know, like everything you know about your life, you've tossed out the window and, you know, (laughs) everything from like where your toilet paper is stored to how you flush the toilet, all of it's changed. Um, But yeah, we have, you get to a point now where we're four and a half years into traveling full time. Like, I don't know where I'm going to be in three weeks, um, which drives people nuts. But it's like my wife and I are totally cool with that. It's our favorite part of the whole thing is that like, we could go anywhere and do whatever we want. (laughs) So I'm yeah, so you get, right now. <laughs> yeah, you get you get um get a lot of joy out of that chaos. Um and it's funny because we have friends that are like, I, I don't know how you do that. Um, because they like to have things in order all the time. And when you have a lifestyle like ours, it's never all in order. You have like your things that are in order, right? Like you you know, we've got our our house and our car and our, you know, our finances and all that stuff is in order, but like our plan is never in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So exactly. similar kind of thing. So I want to dive a little bit into um, the flip side. You mentioned you mentioned the uh, the other side of the superpower, um, and mm-hmm. we always talk about that as the uh, the fatal flaw, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just like every Superman has their kryptonite, or Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, you probably have a flaw that's held you back, something that you struggled with. Um, for me, I struggled with a couple of things. I mentioned one of them already was my ability to just let chaos, um, you know, behind me. Um, but also I struggled with perfectionism, right? That whole love of systems means that I'm always like, I could tweak it, make it better and then never ship anything. Um, Cause you could always make another tweak before you bring it to customers if you wanted to. Um, or, you know, uh, I had a, a problem with a lack of self-care, which generally brought itself out in like not having good boundaries with my clients yeah. um, or not having good boundaries with my time. And, you know, I'd spend 18 hours working and then not sleep and then, you know, do that three days in a row and then be sick. Right. So, so like learning how to actually build a good self-care routine and things like that. Um, so I think more important than what the flaw was is how have you worked to overcome it? So you can continue to grow and continue to make your business better. Um, and hopefully sharing your experience will, uh, will help our, our audience learn a little from you. Yeah. You know, I think I kind of fell into that with the last answer, but I'll, I'll build on it a little bit. I, um, like I mentioned, I tend to be extremely pragmatic, so I'm not, um, I mean, again, I'm extremely loving, like I'm a mother, I'm a good friend, I have all this, but I'm, I'm not, I've, and I've never really been an over-emotional person. And so um, I cry at movies, to be fair. Um, but, you know, I find that often there's an element of... Um, You're not sentimental. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you jump in, like, I'll, I'll love to hop on a call and say, hey, how's everybody doing? And then a minute later, I'm ready to move. We're going to move into a project. We're going to start working on it. We're going to hack out some details. Um, I have really worked over the last years to build up, you know, the things that more round out my emotional, you know, intelligence. Um, I'm not saying I ignore those things about people, but for me, I'm always really moving on to business. I mean, I, I am someone who likes to get stuff done and I move fast and sometimes I steamroll and, um, you know, that can be definitely felt in my personal life with my husband and definitely in work. If I'm not careful, it can seep through as well. And so I think it's just very important to, um, a be aware of that and to consciously do things to push the other side of your personality. Um, so I love doing really interesting icebreakers. I love doing, um, I actually got some, training when I was at Google, I'm a certified sprint master. So I like to facilitate sprints. There's a lot more open thinking in sprints, a lot less, we're going to drive to the answer and a lot more open thinking. And I found that that really um, enhanced my ability at work to think in a different way, right? To think in what we call a divergent way, as opposed to convergent way. I often 
converging, find the answer, drive to focus, as opposed to stepping back and saying, let's, let's just throw some stuff out. Let's talk. Um, so that's one, one thing is that I actually built in some skills into, into my work life. Um, the other thing I will say is just surround yourself with good people. I build very deep, strong relationships so that when there are people that love me, um, even in the work scenario, then they can say, Hey, you need to slow down. We need to give some more time to X, Y, or Z that I can listen to that and take it. So having people who balance out your fatal flaw, I mean, has to always be one of the best answers, right? Like some people who can can point to it and say, you need to stop doing that. You know, you're doing it. I have a, I have what I call my, uh, my, my business running partner. He's one of my best friends. We've been running businesses separately, but together, right? Like at the same time for, cool. you know, more than a decade now. Um, and he's similar. Um, he can steamroll people, um, which is, um, which he's aware of, but he can't really steamroll me, uh, right. which has always been really useful. Cause he'll like bring things to me and you know, like, I, I guess I'm just like a big rock and he just, just steamroller runs into it. And he's like, Oh wait, I guess I should, you know, think about it a little bit more. So it's always nice to have someone who, who can, who can handle that. I was um, in um, one of the things I really appreciate about my time at, at Google is I was able for a while after having um, my second child, I was, I took part in a job share. And so I worked with this amazing woman in a job share and I call her my better half and she calls me her better half. Um, but the way I saw it was I have kind of, I had kind of the CEO personality of like, there's an idea. We're going to go do it. Let's do this. Boom. And she was kind of my COO. She was always the one who's saying, let's think about this logically, you know, whoa, 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 back up. Let's not just run forward. Um, and so I think finding people like that who complement your skill set, not just to stop you when you're going yeah. <laughs> or getting lost in the data systems, but, um, to complement your, your natural yeah. abilities. And you, you mentioned you mentioned having kids, and one of the things that I've noticed about both him and I, because we started together before either of us had kids, and now you know he's got five kids and I got four of them. Um, and one of the things I noticed is having children really forces you to deal with your weaknesses in that area. Oh yes, like because they, I, I don't I don't know how to put this other than your kids don't take any shit. No, <laughs> and sometimes even better, sometimes they have the exact flaw, and you look at them, and then you realize. You're like, oh, that's, that's oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I see what I see what I've done there. And then you call your parents up and you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and they say, yeah, your punishment is that you get to raise you. Go ahead. <laughs> you're like, enjoy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've got a uh, I've got a toddler right now who is. Um, I don't know. She she's like, yeah, challenging. That's a good way to put it. She is. Uh, she is got two modes. Um, one of them is 100 percent angel like from heaven she is just the coolest kid you've ever met um and then with the flip of a switch um she is just a demon straight out of hell and i'm Mm -hmm. like i don't know how this like i'm pretty sure like i'm starting to get gray hair it's all from her (laughs) Um. (laughs) i think they're designed to do that some toddlers do it more than others (laughs) yeah i had three that didn't but i've got one like you know i had three kids that like my friends were like you didn't have toddlers um (laughs) and (laughs) And and then I had and then I had this one that I'm pretty sure packed all four of the toddler, you know, the terrible twos into one child. Yeah. Uh, is her so. is her middle name payback? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's where I think we're at. Yeah, she was uh um she had a meltdown this morning because her sock wouldn't go on her foot right. And it was like twenty minutes of screaming. Um and I tried to help her and she got mad at me for helping her and was like, Don't help me, I want to do it myself. And then she just continued to have a meltdown over her sock. And I was like, I went to her mom and I was like, 
I don't know how to help her. She's freaking the f out over her sock. <laughs> totally. You know, I I, I uh, did an exercise one time, and they talked about um, both adult humans and young humans. Uh, there's a spectrum of sensitivity, and and I'd never thought about that before. But some people are highly sensitive, and some people are very low sensitivity. And so, yeah. actually, often those kids with trouble with socks or tags. Um, physical sensitivity often relates directly to your emotional sensitivity. So sometimes yeah. that, um, you know, the ability to be super high and then super low, um, that comes out. Now it's not a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. I think to my point about being pragmatic, I'm very low sensibility, which is also not a bad thing, but we all fall somewhere on the spectrum. And it's kind of neat to think about that and to say, okay, yeah. this is just a sensitive person. I always, <laughs> and- I always try to look at them and see, how does this behavior turn into genius later? Absolutely. And being very aware of things, both physical and emotionally, will be a wonderful skill set for her in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and it's it's fun watching them grow up and see all of those, uh, see all the things that they are capable of and what they're doing. But yeah, just to, to the point, it definitely has helped me see my own fatal flaws and forced mm-hmm. me to work on them yeah. because you realize as a parent, they're not going to make you better. <laughs> Right. You have to make yourself better for them. Exactly. Um, so it's it's like it's a very good mirror, I guess, if that makes sense. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I want to talk about next then is your common enemy. And in this I want to bring directly mm-hmm. back to the discussion about your clients in the gated community, right? Yeah. So which it's actually fun, gated community. <laughs> well, I have to so, you know, every superhero has their arch nemesis, right? It's the thing that they fight against in their world. Um, and in the world of business, it takes a lot of forms, but we like to put it in the context of your clients, right? Your customers at your business. And it's a mindset or it's a flaw that you are constantly have to fight against to overcome so they can actually get the results that they came to you for. Yeah. Right. And so in your business with what you guys do with Gated, what is the thing that either when you're marketing or with your sales that you guys are constantly fighting against to help grow that company? Oh yeah. I mean, we've got one and I think everybody knows it. Everybody has felt this, this villain or the arch enemy. Um, It is digital overwhelm. It is the fact that we live in a world where 390 billion emails a day, a day are being sent. 390 Um, billion. That is correct. Um, And and that's not even accounting for Slack and iMessage and Instagram and TikTok and WhatsApp. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's like, you know, the, um, like beginning like of, hundreds and hundreds of messages per person on the planet a day. Right. That's exactly right. And I think the, the key words there are per person. What we've done is we've moved over the last, you know, seven to five years. I think there've been two major shifts that we've seen. The first is an increase in automation, right? It, yeah. it is no longer person to person. Back when we had email, uh, when it first arrived, you know, you've got mail, somebody, was reaching out to you and you were having a conversation. We don't live in that world anymore. Um, I think it's, I think there's a stated fact that it's upwards of 90% of all the emails sent is not from people, right? So automation, especially on the marketing automation side, where there are so many tools for marketers and sellers to use to automate reaching out via email to people. um, It's massively amplified this trend of digital noise, specifically in email, but you can extend that to anything, to all the other platforms. Um, And then the second thing is another big trend we've seen is from a more business standpoint is the trend of product-led growth where people used to sell, you know, a tool to the executive suite, right? To the CEO or the CTO. Right now we live in a world where there's not only more digital tools, but they can now sell to many more people. So anyone from mid to senior level 
is being sold tools like Loom and Calendly and Zoom. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Or Zencaster that we're on now. There you go, Zencaster. I mean, there's just, and they're wonderful tools, but not only are we using the technology to send more email, but there's more that we are, more solutions that are being sold on a daily basis to more of us. So it's just this snowball of digital noise. Um, And I think that whether gated existed or not, that arch nemesis is present for every single one of us. Um, And it can apply to trying to get our work done or trying to live our lives in a way that matters. We spend so much of our time and energy just trying to cut through that noise. And that's fundamentally what Gated was built for. I mean, we have a manifesto on our website and it all starts with take back control of your attention. You are right now, you're not in charge of all of the information that's flowing in. And it's time that we all realize that we can have tools and solutions that help us actually not be just victims in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it, you mentioned like the marketing automation and all the tools to reach out and like all those things, they are, they're all growing and they're getting bigger and more notifications and more marketing automation. And that that's happening because like, it's effective, right? Like they, they work. It is or... and it isn't. I mean, if you talk so some of our biggest advocates at Gated are the folks who are sellers and email senders, because what's happening now is email deliverability rates are dropping. I mean, they're below 2%, 1%. You could send out a hundred emails and hear back from one. So is that really effective? No, it's sending, it's a spray and pray strategy, right? Like send more emails, you'll get more volume and hits. What Gated envisions is that instead of sending a hundred and getting one reply, you should be able to send 10 and get six. We're seeing if when somebody makes a donation to reach a Gated user, the reply rate's around 50, 60%. So instead of sending a bulk of volume just to get a little bit back, why not send better, actual human-to-human communication that also does benefit for nonprofits and actually hear back. Um, You know, the senders and the sellers are some of the biggest advocates for what we're doing. And that's why. So out of, out of, on, on the flip side, because you mentioned senders now, now gated is generally targeted toward the one who is receiving emails. How, how does, how do you guys, or do you guys work with senders at all? So to, we are built as a tool for the user of email. So we are really focused on solving that problem for the individual who uses email, wants to cut through the noise, um, is excited about benefiting nonprofits. Um, But what we've seen is simply by implementing that marginal cost and the outcomes that it creates, it has created value for the senders as well. So technically we are entirely focused on the users. I do think in the future, there will be room to um, continue developing a product in a way that benefits everyone, but we are committed to being a user first product. Yeah, that's really fascinating. Um, and I think it's a, it's a good, good drive into my, my other question, which is your driving force, right? So the flip side of your common mm-hmm. enemy, if your common enemy is what you fight against, your driving force is what you fight for. Yeah. Right? So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham, or you worked for Google, they work to index and categorize all the world's information. Make it useful. Yep. Yeah. Make it useful. Right. We want to know what it is that you fight for at Gated yeah. and, you know, essentially why you do that. I have had such joy in this role in realizing that what Gated exists to do is to basically unleash the potential of all of the amazing other people in the world. So by that, I mean, when we have a user 
who has never used gated and then they start using it and they see what it can do, how it can free up their focus, how it can enable them to do the things they are doing better um, or on a bigger scale or for the right reasons. It's super refreshing. Um, I talked to an amazing female CMO the other day and she and I were going on about um, how her external image of herself, um, a focused, organized achiever, right? Very highly successful CMO. She said when she looked at her inbox, it didn't feel like her. It felt like it was it was chaotic and unstructured and didn't reflect who she is. And what Gated does is it, by getting rid of the clutter and by letting people focus on the messages that matter and, and the things that matter, they can then better do their job. So a lot of, as head of marketing, a lot of the, the content that I'm building and sharing with Gated is look at these amazing people and what they can do because they have the tools to allow them to do that. And that's what what really fundamentally I hope that Gated can serve a role as is not gated and gated for itself, but gated because it lifts up other incredible people and enables them to do more in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I really like that that thought too that when you look at your email inbox, it doesn't feel like you because I, I I get that I I I don't like my email inbox. I only yeah. go there when I have to, and I tell people regularly. I'm like, they're like, how should I reach out to you? I'm like, be you know, become friends with me on Facebook and reach out to me on Facebook Messenger or here's my phone number, text me that kind of thing. Um, and like we moved all of, um, I've got two companies that we run and we moved both of them off of email communication into, uh, we're using a competitor to Slack called twist. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's a similar kind of, um, you know, real time communication thing because email is just, it's difficult. It hurts. Like it's not a, (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, it shouldn't. It's, it's not, it's, it's a great way to lose things in the clutter. Right. Um, and, and it's interesting that you guys are working to solve that. Um, because it's like, you would think that in 2022, all these other ways of communicating, something would have taken over, but email is still like foundational for the internet almost where everywhere you go, you know, if you want to sign up for Slack or twist or Facebook or any of the instant messenger stuff, the first thing they're asking you for, what's your email? Well, that's another interesting thing that I've seen come up, which is people still think their emails are, are secret and private. Um, and they're not, if you talk to any kind of major email marketing exec, I mean, there are so many tools to scrape and find people's emails. Um, and so if if your email is out there in public and searchable and scrapable, you're you're just going to be a target for all of the email that comes in. We were laughing. Eli Manning's email got leaked the other day. I don't know if you saw the news about that. But I, I was like, this is why Eli needs gated, right? Like our email is not really a um, a hidden thing anymore. But that doesn't mean that the inbox itself shouldn't still be yours, right? And what Gated does is kind of provide that, um, you know, let's take our brand name, Gated. You could see it as this closed door, locked door, but that's not what we're about. What we're about is that feeling when someone opens their gate and you get to come into their personal space, which you know matters to them, that means something. That's real connection. And and so this idea that you should be allowed to kind of say, I'm going to let things in when they matter to me, but the rest of this digital noise doesn't have a place in my life. It doesn't, it does nothing but distract and, and take away from the great things I can achieve. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. It reminds me, it reminds me of the, uh, during the pandemic, I mentioned we got stuck for 11 months. We got stuck in a gated community, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, we got stuck in paradise. It was heaven. But the, uh, the, the thing that, um, you know, we had all of the, the chaos that was sort of happening 
um, and riots and other bad things that were going on. And one of the things that was was really interesting to me about being in a gated community is it felt very safe. Interesting. Right? It felt like a safe place. And like you could still have guests come over and other things. And, you know, you could order pizza and you just had to call up to the gate and be like, hey, pizza guy's coming. He'll be here in 20 minutes. And the gate person would know to let them in. Right. They're being allowed into your space. What we don't want is any of the idea that like, you know, you're keeping people out. And I think that's what a lot of past email solutions have done is they have locked down the inbox and said, no senders can come in. Right. You can't come in. This is only Richard's spot. Nobody else is allowed. And we're definitely not taking that track because we believe fundamentally in the, the value of communication. There can be very useful cold emails. So the way that Gated is is built is, you know, it's a minimal donation. It's not $50 to reach Richard. Although, you know, if Elon Musk wants to put Gated on his email, he might want to have a slightly higher price um, and benefit his nonprofit, right? Um, so, you know, I think it's very important and, and that is the challenge here is to remind people that the idea is that the gate can be open. It's just that you need to be providing value to Richard. If you want to reach Richard, you can't just dump stuff. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really fascinating too, to think about like, Hey, what, what is, what is a, an amount that gets my attention? Right. Right. Yeah. That I'm like, Hey, if you're willing to donate this to my, my nonprofit, I'm willing to take time out of my day to, to, to speak to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're yeah, seeing a lot of really interesting user d- differences between users because people are all such individuals. Um, some people want to keep the donation low and uh, don't mind having a few things come in. Um, and then other people really value the quiet that Gated creates. And so they actually put a higher donation. Uh, it'll be very so, interesting to see as we go just, forward. Just out of curiosity, do you guys have any way of tracking or seeing... Um, just for instance, there is the more um, divisive things that people can donate to, right? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, off the top of my head, you could th- say things like, hey, you could reach me if you want to donate to Planned Parenthood or whatever the antithesis of Planned Parenthood is. Those are the kind of things that like someone might not want to reach out to you if their donation is going to something they don't agree with. Has that, have you guys seen anything like that or have problems with things like that? Yeah, we're thinking very carefully about our nonprofit strategy. Um, we're partnering with a couple of really wonderful thought leaders in the nonprofit space to to shape what the future is about the nonprofit side of the business. I will say that the solution we are creating, as I mentioned before, is very, very user-centric. So right now, we are allowing any individual to pick to donate to any 501c3 that is GuideStar certified. So if you can find it in GuideStar and it is a licensed 501c3, you can donate to that. Um, so does, to... does the end user who's who's making the dollar donation, do they know who you, who you, the user, is donating to? Yes, that's exactly right. So when they get a challenge email, it'll say to reach Richard, donate to his uh, chosen nonprofit, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, right? Um, so they will see that. We have had some interest on the sender side of wanting to pick their own one to donate to. But fundamentally, if you think about it this way, if you think about that the sender is trying to reach you, let's say... They're trying to take you out to dinner to get your business, right? And you say, I really like, I don't know, chilies. And they say, great, we're going to Taco Bell. You're like, okay, well, you're trying to connect with me. Or even more important, let's say you sit down and they're trying to buy you a drink. And you say, I like IPAs. And they say, I bought you a martini. Like, it's not actually making a connection if they're not thinking about you and what you'd like. So. Um, we have a long evolution to go on how we structure that, but right now we find it's important to give that choice to the user um, yeah, and let yeah. them say what's important to them. Because ideally, if the sender really wants to connect with them, 
at the very least, it gives them a good talking point, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking like thing, things like like Planned Parenthood or the NRA can be can be divisive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where like someone who might be like, I don't know if I want to talk to Richard that bad. I don't want to donate a dollar to the NRA. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you know, as Richard, probably know that if you put it on there, you might get that desire. So really, it becomes it's your inbox. We're going to give you that choice. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how we evolve because there's so many nonprofits. So we're going to think about how, yeah. uh, from a my, my favorite nonprofit is uh, Vitamin Angels. Um, and oh. We actually are, we have a, uh, um, I had a, a supplement company that we ran for a number of years and we, we ran a promotion called Buy a Bottle, Save a Life. Oh. Um, and the, uh, um, which we ran the entire time we had the company, but essentially they, they provide vitamin A to children all over the world. Um, and vitamin A is the number one killer of children under, um, under a certain age, um, because the vitamin A deficiency is what basically makes, activates your gut immune system. And if you yeah. have a deficiency in it, people, kids die from things like diarrhea and common colds. Yeah. Um, so it's the number one killer is vitamin A deficiency, and it costs approximately 25 cents a year to, um, to give a child enough vitamin A to survive. So we, we did a, uh, um, every bottle of supplements we sold, we donated a quarter to vitamin angels. Um, that's so critical. And here's, what's really interesting. I've learned about the nonprofit side of gated was at first, um, you know, I said, well, the donation amounts aren't that much, you know, it's kind of like when you round up at the grocery store or you round up at the bank, there is small dollar donations. And a lot of the nonprofits that I've worked with, um, one comes to mind is called uh, the headstrong project. They do mental health for veterans. It's a really amazing growing charity. That's the one that I currently, um, support with my gated account, but they, um, you know, the CMO there, she said to me, it's not so much the donation amount, because if somebody wants to donate to Vitamin Angels, they can go and write a check, right? But one thing that Gated does is it's the awareness. Everyone that then would email you would see, A, they learn about this incredible nonprofit, which I've never heard about, and now I'm going to go look up more of. So you're, it's brand awareness, really. You're putting the brand yeah. out there. And then it's telling them something about you. So they know that this has a connection to you and they may want to hear more about it. So it's yeah, not, yeah. not the dollars. It's like a personal alignment. And then it's also just brand awareness that the email, so the amount of guys, emails. Have out. you guys considered um, working with the nonprofits on, yeah. on the messaging for mm-hmm. how those donations make an impact? Like for instance, with vitamin angels, they had on their website that like 25 cents is enough to save a child's life. Right. And so like every 25 cents generated is a thing. So like that, it was, it was good messaging for us to say, buy a bottle, save a life kind of thing. And it'd be really interesting if you guys were actively as marketers teaching these nonprofits, how to say, Hey, when you donate a dollar to, you know, to Richard, to reach him, that's going to get X, Y, Z result from the nonprofit. I love that. You're speaking my marketer's language, right? Like instead of saying donate a dollar, it's Donate a dollar to supply four children with vitamin A. You know, it's very tangible. It's like when you, you know, you buy a sheep instead of donating $25, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Absolutely. I think we have a long and very exciting road ahead of us with how we partner with nonprofits. Um, Yeah, that's, that's fascinating to me. It's one of the things that I would, um, one of these days, if I ever get extra time getting in and just like helping nonprofits figure out how to speak that way, um, I think would drastically help change the world because you know you you see i I think there is going to be more and more and more on the marketing side from big companies where they realize they have to have some sort of a mission driven stuff for selling 
Um, and it's one of the things that we noticed when we switched our marketing from like, hey, buy our supplements because they're the best to, hey, buy a bottle, save a life. We like triple our sales. Right? Well, and it's, uh, it's and... important that that's not the driving factor, right? Like no yeah. one should ever be using a nonprofit to create the more sales. But when you have a model, as you just did, which is based on the business itself, but it then goes to benefit to have that social good component, that's extremely yeah, part powerful. of it. Yeah. And that's, that's why Gated, I, I found from the beginning was so excited was because we're not using nonprofits to get more users at all. We're just saying, use the product. And then by using the product, wow, you have a benefit. Yeah, right. it's, it's the same, same thing. Like, Hey, when you buy a, you know, a pair of shoes from Zappos, we're going to send a pair of shoes to a, you know, a kid who needs them. Right. right. It's that it's that kind of, um, you know, like mission driven sort of capitalism um, yeah. that I think is going to get bigger and stronger. And I think you guys are well situated to help that growth. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I also hope to kind of help companies find that going forward. I think the work we're doing right now is gated is so important, but I do look forward to the day when I can kind of um, spread that wealth and help people understand how to do that in a way that's really, you know, um, focused on on doing it right for the business and your customers and then seeing what springs out of it that could benefit the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I like... I don't know. I was just, just thinking about it. There's, there's so many things you could drive into, into that messaging, like, Hey, donate, donate to this cause, um, that as, as a user to be able to talk to the people who are trying to reach out to me about like, Hey, if you want to reach out to me, I want you, I want you to donate to this cause. Here's why, like, here's what it means to me, right? Here's, you know, I have a supplement company that works with here. Here's why we do it. Here's all those things. Like, you know, it's, it's part of my story. Yeah. You might even see, you know, there's a long road to go, but you might see the day where, you can even record a little video and it's in that challenge email. It says, Hey, I'm Richard. I'm really excited to talk to you and let me know why. Here's why that, you know, you could really make it more appealing and, and help people understand why that barrier is there. Um, that you're, you really value your time and your attention and you're ready to talk with anybody as long as they value you back. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. Cause it's not like they're putting money in my, my bank account. That's not, yeah. that's not the point. We're, you know, we're doing, doing some good here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That should be cool. my tag, my tagline on a t-shirt. We're doing some good here. <laughs> We're doing some good here. Yeah. I mean, it's true. That's what you guys are doing, right? You're doing my, one of my, my favorite things. I, I've worked with um, a lot of um, real estate trainers in the course of my career. And one mm. of the things that was really um, driven into my head with people who are doing real estate investing as a transaction, like as a transactional thing is um, where the value is, right? Because it has to be a win-win-win for everyone involved, right? It's always a three-way win. It's yeah. the person who's selling their property, the person who's buying the property, and the investor that's in, in the middle. It's got to win for everyone or it doesn't work. The deals will never go through. Yeah. Um, and every investor that I've ever worked with has always had that mentality that it's always got to be a win-win-win deal. Um, and I think, you know, thinking about what you're talking about there is you have you have the sender and the user and the third-party mm-hmm. nonprofit. Right. Where it's, it's not just a win-win, it's a win-win-win. Right. And yeah, there's always that third party you have to think about. <laughs> that's exactly it. It's a, I always talk about it as three points of value and that's exactly right. I like win-win-win. I'm going to keep that going. Yeah. Win-win-win. Cool. So I want to talk a little bit about um, some practical things, right? And this is, this is interesting because you guys actually might fit into this category as a, as a company. Um, but we talk about the hero's tool belt, right? And, you know, every superhero has their tool belt with awesome gadgets like batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes or big magical hammers, uh, right? We want to talk about top one or two tools that you couldn't live without in your business. It could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to your marketing tools to something you use for your own product delivery, Something you think is essential to getting your job done over at Gated every day? 
I'm going to throw two out and they're very, very different. I will say um, at Google, we used to have a phrase called eat your own, eating our dog food. You've probably heard that before, like eat your own yeah. dog food. Um, so, uh, you know, over 14 years, I am deeply a user of Google tools. Um, I will say like the whole suite of Gmail calendar, all those integrations, even into um, some of the Google analytics, the way that it works together, I still find extremely valuable. Um, so I'm yeah. still a very avid Google product user. I mean, Google Docs and Sheets and all that. Um, if, so I, I, if I could just, if you can convince someone over there to stop changing the name every six months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't think that's happening. But yes, that's like the part of the fun of Google is like, who knows what's happening in 18 months, you know, or 12 months or nine months. Um, so I, you know, in all candor, like I'm still kind of, I, if I didn't have Google, like train would come off the rails kind of thing. So I'll, I'll say that, you know, one of the other ones that I think has been new to me as a startup marketer, as someone who's on the ground trying to get things done, let's be honest on the cheap and scrappy and without a huge team. Um, I've actually found a lot of joy in Canva. Canva has done really incredible things that allow a single marketer to uh, create content and create assets at a scale that previously took so much work. I mean, the, taking the graphic design components and making them yeah. so much more standardized and usable. Canva really has done a lot for me at this kind of ground level um, startup marketing. Now, one of my advisors is a creative director and sometimes he gives me the like, oh, you know, we're beyond Canva. Um, but at the same time, it's so freaking useful and their, their, their design and the product itself works beautifully. So it's um, one of those, it's yeah. one of those products that like, you're like, it may not be the most flexible or the best, but that gets you to the end result so fast and so well yeah. that it almost doesn't matter. You can't do what you could do with Photoshop. Yeah. And they're not falling down on the job either. There are a couple of smaller tools that I use where sometimes I'm like, oh, and you hit that clunky moment where it's just not working. I don't have those moments often or at all with Canva. I find that if I want to do something, it's usually doable and there and, and fairly well, yeah. you know, quite well designed. Um, yeah, plus, yeah, it's Canva, is, Canva is very um, uh, social impact minded as a company, which is always nice. Um, yeah, so. it's one of the things that's, uh, that I, that struck me about sort of watching that company grow because I'm probably one of the earliest Canva users when they came out. Um, and I'm like, I'm like certified in Photoshop from back in high school 20 years ago um, right. on like Photoshop version two or three. Like I have, I have an actual paper certificate from high school because I went to training on it way back in the day when, you know, websites looked like bubbles and you yeah. could design websites in Photoshop and, you know, watching Photoshop become the gigantic bloated mess that it is. Um, right. And it's got, um, it, it's got more tools than you can name. It's um, very complex. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very complex and it can, it can literally do anything like people in Hollywood edit, you know, Hollywood movies on it, right? Like that's the kind of thing, like they edit the frame by frame kind of stuff. You can do whatever you want with it. But what Canva has done brilliantly is they're like, the, what's the end result that marketers are looking for mm -hmm. and only showing those tools yeah, and like context specific, like just brilliantly done, I think. Brilliantly done. Yeah. And the price point and the flexibility of, you know, letting teams work in it is just marvelous. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, um, there's, there's a, uh, it's a, it's a freemium model as well, where like, mm -hmm. um, which is, is an interesting model that I, to this day, don't quite understand how people grow their companies that way. But at the same time, like it's, it's, uh, it, it works, right? Yeah. Because um, I don't think, because um, I've never, um, never used it until we started getting a team. Um, we always use it for free until, until we had a team of people who are using it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. 
So. Yeah, there's, um, you know, it's interesting because we've definitely looked at Canva. So gated is is free for users. It's free for all users. Um, and, and I think that that model of freemium means that you also have to think very concretely about how you build your marketing and sales teams going forward because so much of the heavy lifting is on converting those free users into paid users over time. Yeah. How do you how do you guys work from a a payment model on on uh, on gated? Yeah, so we believe that everyone should be able to have gated, should have access to gated. So the way that we do it is we actually monetize the sender payments. So just like if you made a donation to Wounded Warrior, um, you know, a percentage would go to the operation of Wounded Warrior as a as an organization. Um, the what we do with gated is if someone pays, you know, a dollar to reach you a portion of that will go to support gated. Um, we have, I believe stated right now, it's, uh, we take a m- maximum of 30%. I think what we've done is we've created a structured system where if you make a bigger donation, we take less. So we've scaled it to maximize the benefit to the nonprofits. Um, but that little bit that comes to gated then allows gated to be free for everyone. So, so do you guys have any sort of um, paid model or is it just the, uh, just that one monetization model? We do not have a paid model right now. It is gated is free for any user. Um, I mean, we're not, we're still on a wait list right now. We're hoping to be sharing it publicly with everyone soon, but um, it, it will be free for everyone. That's, that's the model. So just out of curiosity, how do you guys, how are you guys anticipating the, the scale once you remove the wait list? You think Great it's going to, you think it's going to go well? <laughs> are you guys I ready mean, for I it? Go well. We've got a brilliant head of engineering who's building an, an incredible solution. Um, with with an eye for scale um i would you know i would love to see well if we started small i'd love to see every overwhelmed marketer and every busy executive using gated because i know it will bring them value down the road i mean we do want to fix email for everyone and i think that by tipping the scales in favor of um, a marginal cost on email i think that we can actually fix email for everyone and that's definitely our vision so here is here, here's just another question for you that I know pops up for people who think like I do <laughs> is for a service like gated mm-hmm. how difficult is for someone to see your success and then build competitors Absolutely I mean we we believe that we're doing something incredible and so I don't think the world will ever have a lack of competitors for any interesting idea. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what that is in the future. Um, there are a lot of email management solutions out there right now. There are a lot of solutions that you and I could have used before gated. I will say fundamentally, all of those solutions still mean that you're seeing all of the stuff and that you have to deal with it. You have to filter it. You have to folder it. You have to pay per month for a service to do something better. Um, and what gated is doing is we're saying, you shouldn't have to deal with that in the first place. You should only see the messages that are relevant. So really it's a completely new paradigm. Um, no longer do we think everything belongs in the inbox. One of the reasons I asked that is because I had I had a guest on this podcast a while back that uh, she, she ran a $500 million a year jewelry company, um, just, just like insanely large. Um, and I remember asking her about our e-commerce brand. And one of the things she said to me that stood out um, and I think might be useful for you guys because you're like, you know, you're right on the edge of that tipping into the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the journey from one, uh, you know, from zero to a million dollars in revenue and then from, you know, 1 million to 10 million in revenue is a certain set of problems, right? Mm-hmm. And mostly it's learning how to grow a business, right? And get the scrappy stuff and all the stuff and getting your marketing, your messaging, all that stuff, right. And figuring out how to deliver for your customers. She's like, oh, that's all, that's all like 
the business stuff that you're ready for. And she's like, yeah. once you pass that $10 million revenue mark, everything changes. Yeah. Um, and she goes, it changes into um, now you're going to start attracting the eyes of your competitors. Like we're in the candle business. She's like, you guys are under $2 million. Nobody cares. But she's like, the, can the candle business is a $10 billion a year industry. Um, and she's like, as soon as you cross, you know, $10 million a year, everyone in the candle business is going to look what you're doing and try to copy you. And yeah. she's like, it doesn't matter what business you're in. You hit that $10 million mark, they're all going to try to copy you. She's like, if you don't want to have people be able to copy you, you have to have something you stand for. Yeah. Right. And she's like, you have to have something that's bigger than your product. Um, and so anyways, I was just, just thinking about that for you guys is like, that's like your next stage of your marketing is what does Gated stand for? <laughs> well, I think, you know, we're already taking a stand for it, which is, Again, I think a lot of even the large, you know, the massive companies, and I'm looking at, you know, email providers. Um, yeah, like Google. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're huge. Mm -hmm, they're built on a paradigm of we should, you know, it's very a Silicon Valley mindset. We should get all the data and then we will take care of all the data. Whereas, you know, we're standing for um, you as a user, as a person, as a human, you should have some control over what reaches you in the first place. And I, I don't think that's going to be easy to replicate um, because it's it's a very uh, human-centric versus data-centric play. Um, yeah. And I think it will be very interesting to see how things are Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the we things. We're already that... standing for something early. Like we have. Yeah, you have, you have something you're standing early. hardcore for. And it, I know it reminds me of uh, that whole like if, um, is, is you have to know who the customer is. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, with Google, for instance, the the customer is your data, right? Like the, it's their advertisers is the customer and you're, you're yeah, the product. If you don't know, who, if you don't know uh, what the product is, you're the product. That's yeah. The you're the product. Um, <laughs> and so, so just, just like thinking through where you guys are at, it's like the, the, the product you're, you're, you're making sure people know it's not, mm -hmm. it's not your data and your stuff. That's the product. It's, it's the, the, these donations to the nonprofits and getting your time back and those kind of things. Yeah. You are the customer, you are a human, you are not the product. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. Cool. So I got one more question. Well, actually two more. Um, you know, this, 
This one's about your uh, your own personal heroes, right? Every hero has their uh, their mentors, just like Frodo had uh, Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or even Robert Kiyosaki's rich dad or Spider-Man and Uncle Ben or in the latest movie, Aunt May. Um, right. So who are some of your heroes? Were they uh, real life mentors, speakers or authors, maybe peers who are a couple of years ahead of you? Um, how important were they to what you have accomplished so far? Yeah, I mean, I, one quick, easy answer that I definitely just want to share is I do think the women in my family are actually one of my main heroes because I think they've always, even even in the generations before, um, you know, they were necessarily career women. My grandmother, I think of in particular, she she was not in a career, but she organized and she lit a fire in everything she did. And so I do think that one of my superheroes is 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 the generations of women in my family that came before me and really set a path that I, I try to live up to every day. Um, on a more you know tactical level, my mentor and my boss um, and my managing director for many years at Google is a man named Rob Torres, and he is an absolute incredible combination of you know business leadership and someone who cares more about the team beneath him than anything else. Um, and so he was the one who encouraged me to find the balance between my work life and my family. He was the one who validated the importance of family and yet also strengthened my belief that I was really needed in the workplace. Um, I think leaders who really see their teams as individuals and it's their mission to empower those individuals and to help the, their team grow are some of the most priceless people in the business world. And that's at large companies and at startups. Um, so Rob, for me, has always been a mentor. I think he just approaches work with both a capability, but often authenticity that I aspire to. Um, there are a lot of loud voices, and that's never really been the people that I look up to. It's the people that really live uh, the way that life should be lived. Um, and he's yeah. definitely one of those people. I've always, I've always liked, um, like, I have a small team with our, um, with both the companies. They're not, they're not terribly huge. Um, and one of the things I've always strived for as, you know, the entrepreneur who's building those companies is making sure that everyone on my team understands that they're here because of what they bring to the table, right? Their humanity and mm -hmm. their creativity and their skill. Um, and they're not cogs in our machine, right? They're, they're people who are bringing their breath of life and creativity to this company, right? And to what we're trying to do. Um, and so I, I go out of my way to try and find out like where, where they want to go, like where they want, they see themselves mm -hmm. in their life and in their business and how their work for us helps them get there. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the right approach or not, but that's the, uh, that's the way I've always tried to, <laughs> tried to grow my teams and my organizations. I love it. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that always graded me more than anything in, in managers that, that I maybe didn't not didn't get along with but man one thing that managers do that drives me nuts is when they're always pushing you to the next thing what i really want is a manager who wants to listen to what you want because at certain times in my life i just wanted to do my role really well i didn't want a promotion i didn't want to go here i didn't want i just wanted to do what i was doing and do it really well and so they say instead of how can i move you to x y or z they say what can i get you or what can i remove that's blocking you to help you do what you really want to do and so I think it's very important what you just said is to really listen to those people as opposed to just saying, oh yeah, I'm help people move up the ladder. It's not about that. It's about meeting people with what they need and then really empowering them. And for me, that was a move to Alaska among other things. But, um, <laughs> you know, when you really give people what it need, what they need, that's when you build some serious loyalty, some serious dedication. Um, and the, yeah. you know, that 
ever vague culture term. Like that's where it comes from. Yeah. And it comes, it comes from seeing the humanity in the people that are on your team. That's right. right. Which means their home life and their skills and the stuff that they're looking, you know, what are the things that they're excited about on the weekends? Right. I had a guy who was, you know, recovering alcoholic who, who liked to do RC planes and like, so when he came in after work one day and, you know, worked overtime for us, we got him a gift card to his favorite RC plot shop kind of thing, like that kind of stuff. Right. That it's, that's, you have to, I I don't know. I, you have to know your people and, and help them help them get where they want to go. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. So one last question before we wrap this up um, and it's uh, your guiding principles, right? So one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever brings them to Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview and I talk about top one, maybe two principles that you regularly use in your life, maybe something you wish you had known when you started out in your own career. Yeah, I've developed some thoughts on this very strongly, I would say in the last three to five years. And actually, what's funny is you pointed out earlier, I have some custom artwork on my wall. I have a skull on my wall, which most people would think is creepy. Um, But it fundamentally... Is a, is a very important reminder. Some people might have heard of memento mori. It's essentially a phrase that re, re, it means remember we're all going to die. Remember to die. Yeah. Um, now it sounds super morbid, but really the opposite of that is when you think about the fact that things end and the thing think that things come to an end, you so much more cherish what you're doing, and you stop doing the stuff that doesn't matter. So like I hate to bring it all back to gated, but that's a lot of what drives me is really this massive focus um, for me, like a core principle is memento mori because it is saying, take a real thought about the moments in your day and what you're choosing to do with that moment. Now I may choose to take a nap on the couch, but I've thought about it and it's what I really need and what I've decided to do, right? Like it's not just because I'm lazy or I'm not doing something. So um, I always say, it doesn't mean I'm doing things all the time and you know, life is running out and you got to go. No, no. It just means have a much more conscious thought for what you're doing, because then you know that those moments aren't wasted. Right. Um, yeah. and, I, and I, it's, it's funny because some people do just think it's a creepy skull on my wall, but it's not, it's, it's definitely a way to approach every moment in life. And I mean, man, I tell you, we've talked a bunch about kids on this. It goes more than anything. It goes when it comes to your kids and how fast the days go by. So it, it reminds me so much of one of the things that dramatically changed my life and career um, mm-hmm. was uh, I mean, if I go back six or seven years ago now and look at my business, um, I was not living the, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher this phrase, was memento more. Yeah, memento more, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and like, I remember thinking on a regular basis, like if I died today, I'm like, I'm not ready. Right? I'm not ready to die today kind of thing. Cause like, I've got more things I want to do and I haven't accomplished what I want to accomplish yet. And um, if you look at how that reflected in my day-to-day life, I was working, you know, anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day. My business was not making a lot of revenue. I was missing time with my wife and kids and my business yeah. was, you know, it was not, it was not, it was not a, it, it was, it was like barely paying the bills kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, um, I, I read a book um, called uh, The Ant and the Elephant by Vince Pinsconti. And um, it was a whole a whole idea about, you know, there's an ant on your, that's your conscious mind and it can cr- control the elephant, which is your subconscious mm-hmm. mind. Um, and one of the things they talked about in there was the, this concept of how creativity um, is, uh, it thrives with boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, there were some studies done on kids where, you know, they'd put them out into a, a, a playground that like there was no fences around 
and like they've just got the concrete pad and then there's the big grass area and with no fences all the kids would stay on the concrete pad they would they would never move from the concrete pad and then as soon as they put the fences up the kids would explore everything right they would go all the way out to the edges of the fence um and and that was just it was just an illustration of the whole concept that creativity thrives with boundaries like and you look at that everything from painting to photography to videography to anything you do creative create creative wise you're always looking at okay what's that what's the boundaries that you're working within um and the the thing that i got out of it the thing that i started doing was looking at why am i not putting boundaries on my time mm-hmm. um and what i think is important and like really figuring out like where do i want to put stuff in my life right um and so i started doing things like you know, instead of working, you know, 12 hours a day, six days a week, what if I only work eight hours a day, six days a week? What if I work only eight hours a day, five days a week? You know, what if I work four hours a day, four days a week? And I've gotten to the point now, like, again, seven years ago, one business was taking 90% of my time and I was missing time with my wife and kids. Now I average four hours a day, four days a week and run two companies, both of which are, you know, eight to 10 times more profitable than what I was doing back then. Right. Um, And it's because of that concept, the momentum more to realize that like, like, I have to choose consciously what gets put into my day. Um, that's true. And it's funny how this entire conversation is reflecting that. Like, that's what we're building with gated. That's yeah. what, you know, when you talked about my skill power, that idea of, um, you know, complexity into focus. And then that's very much what we're talking about. It's like the principles we live by. You can't succeed if you're trying to do everything. You can't yeah. have focus and think deeply which there's a great quote from Charles Duhigg on like the only killer app in all of history was thinking deeply. It's something like that. I might've misphrased it, but you can't think deeply if everything else is peppering in from the outside. Right. And so if, if you put boundaries down and say, this is going to end, then it allows you to really use that time that you have the time or the focus in a much more effective way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, to, to your point with the whole momentum aura thing, I like, I, I remember, um, it's something I was just thinking about the other day, talking with my wife about it. I was like, I have no desire to die today. Right? No. I've got lots of things I still want to do. But if I compare where I'm at now to where I was six years ago, if I died today, I would die happy. Interesting. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, that, yeah, I could go deep on this. There's there's other thinking around it too, which is, yeah, I won't go too far into it. But there's the other thing, which is literally every single day we're dying. You're losing the time. Yeah. Gone. So yeah, if you don't do that, you know, there you go. Um um, and yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing that shows you that more, at least not in my life is watching my, watching my kids grow up. My, and my son just came in, he's working on his schoolwork in the other room. He's 12 years old. And I swear yesterday he was two. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. it's crazy watching them grow up. And then at the same time, like watching my, watching my parents grow up as well. Um, and to be in that middle generation is it's very, it, you become very aware how short life is very quickly. Very much so. I uh, feel like we've just created two spinoff. You've got a new philosophy podcast and you've got a new parenting podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And man, I don't know what it is, but this last this last year I've had like, I don't know, a whole handful of friends that we've celebrated 40th birthdays for. I'm like, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for 40th birthdays. <laughs> so oh, you are. It's going to be great. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, that is basically a wrap on our interview. I think that's a good place for us to to end up. Um, but I do finish every interview with a simple challenge that I call the Heroes Challenge, which I think might be how you ended up here. Um, and we do this to help get access to stories that we might not never uh, might not fi- not find on our own. So, question is simple: Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? 
first names are fine. And why do you think they come share their story with us here on The Hero Show? First person that uh, comes to mind for you. Well, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, the person that comes to mind, because I saw her make the leap from a large company. She was at Google with me. Um, she and I actually went to college together and then we're at Google together. But she made the leap to an entrepreneurial journey um, quite a few years before I did. And I was always looking at her and going, wow, like that looks so great. How are you doing that? Oh, let me tell me about everything you're learning. Um, uh, her name is Kelly and she's founded her own, um, her own agency. They do um, like media and digital strategy. Um, but she's found a way kind of like we've been talking about to grow an incredible business um, simply with her hard work and her smarts and to balance her life with it. She works remotely out of Bozeman, Montana and has built an incredible, um, an incredible company. So yeah, Kelly is definitely um, a hero story that probably was part of the kick in the pants that got me to, to jump from big company to small. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. We'll reach out after the interview and see if we can get an introduction to her. They don't always say yes, but when they do, we get some cool stories here on the show. Um, So in comic books, there's always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering and clapping for their acts of heroism. So as we close, our analogous to that is where can people find you if they want your help, if they want to gate their email? Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Melissa, I would mm-hmm. like to get your help and focus my life. Um, so I think, and then more importantly than where is who are the right types of people to reach out and actually do that? Oh, cool. Well, this one's fun because since my email is gated, I'm more than happy to share it as broadly as we want. Um, Anyone can reach me at melissa at gated.com. That's uh, gated is spelled G-A-T-E-D. And then the website for gated is at gated.com. So you can learn more about what it is and how it works if if you're excited about that. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, but email is usually the best way to reach me. And who are the people that should reach out? You know, really, if you're one of those people where you've got things to do with your day and you have something you're driving toward, you have something you want to accomplish, but you're just feeling that constant pain of, oh my gosh, there's so much digital noise coming in, especially to my inbox. Um, Those are exactly the people that I want to talk with. Uh, More specifically, it's overwhelmed marketers. It's busy executives. Um, This is a tool that is free and it's insanely easy to get started and it's going to help you actually do all those great things that you're already working hard to do. Um, So yeah, any of those folks can definitely ring me anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your story and the story of Gated. It has been a fascinating conversation. I appreciate all the time we got to spend together. Um, Do you have any final words of wisdom for my audience before we hit this uh, stop record button? Oh no, thanks. It's been a real pleasure. And I, I really appreciate how we were able to talk about you know, the business that I'm building, but also the person that I am and, and the, the things that both of us really hold dear. I think it's wonderful to have such a good, authentic conversation. So thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you for being here.